Hi, I'm Addison Stevens, and I've been attending Mansfield Bible my whole life. And today I will be reading Hebrews 10, 11 through 14. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being made sanctified. This is the word of our Lord. You can go ahead and be seated. It's so awesome to see Addie up there. Um, and got to, I can remember coming to Mansfield Bible Church and seeing her mom and dad in the youth group and to see them now married and involved in church. And it's just, it's just part of being uh, the family of God. I always try to point that out whenever I can because, you know, it's sometimes we just kind of run from one, one group to the next group, but it's when you spend time and years of serving together and working together and seeing God do things that only he can do that you begin to really see the power of God at work in, in, in our lives. And so I'm so thankful to see Addie and just the Stevens family and just their continued service in our church. And many of you, I look out over here and I just, man, some of you, it's been, been years and years of just serving together and walking with the Lord, learning to follow Jesus. Just what a joy, what a joy that we have. Well, I'm here this morning and we're going to pick back up in our series and uh, kind of where we, kind of where we were at. And uh, uh, I know, I know we just prayed, but I'm kind of one of those that sometimes I just need to pray and make sure that, you know, um, get everything kind of just cleared out with the Lord and depend on him, right? So let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning. Lord, we ask God that we would not just be a people that come and hear with apathy, that, Lord, we would not be a people that would just hear and, and say, oh, that's good. But that, Father, our hearts would move by your spirit. That, Father, the hearing of your word, it would, it would move us. It would, it would drive us to you, to thirst for you more. That, Father, we would have a passion for Christ. We would have a passion for you in our lives. That, Lord, even in the iniquities of our lives and the shortcomings of our lives, we find that, Father, you establish us in Jesus Christ and that we rest in him. And, Father, may we be passionate and thankful and just overjoyed by those truths. Let us, Father, never take for granted the, the cost of what you provided through your son, Jesus Christ. Let us, Father, never be a people that grows in complacency, but let us, Father, strive to want to know you even more and more. So God, when we come today, I just pray, God, that your spirit would speak to us, your people, that we would not remain in darkness, but that, Father, we would walk in the light of the truth of your word, that, Father, you would just teach us, you would guide us, you would move us, Father. And I ask, Father, that you just go past all of my inabilities and my own sins, my own shortcomings, Father, that you would speak to us. We thirst to hear from you, God. And today we ask that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So back when um, I was putting in sprinkler systems, and many of you have heard me talk about Sam um, many times, I'm sure. Uh, I love Sam. 
Um, when I was in Bible college and trying to work my way through, I was putting in sprinkler systems, and that's where I met Sam. Sam was a big guy. I mean, he was huge. Uh, he ended up playing middle linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, he had grown up. His parents were actually, a, his father was a pastor, and uh, by the time I met him, he was, he was a, a claimed atheist. He had walked away from the faith, and, and I loved having conversations. I, I love Sam. I, I pray for him often, and still to this day, I hope that one day I'd see him in eternity with, in Christ Jesus. But I can remember many times Sam and I would discuss the scriptures and discuss the gospel, what we believe. Sam always would look at me and say, Greg, you're too intelligent to believe that stuff. Or he'd say different things and I'd, and I'd tell him you're too intelligent not to believe it. We had many conversations. There were some other guys that were working with us at the time in the, in, the, in the company that were going to the same Bible college. We had different backgrounds. You know, one of us, I, was, I grew up, I was from a Baptist church. Another one was like from a brethren. Another one was Presbyterian and so forth. And Sam was like, he was super intelligent. Sam would get us alone and start asking us individually different questions about Jesus and about who Christ is and, and trying to kind of find a hole in what we believed. I'll never forget one day when I was sharing with Sam, Sam kind of finally uh, kind of broke down. He just said, you know, he said, I've asked you guys over and over the same question in different ways. And over and over, all of you guys answer it the same way, but with different words. And he just said, that's powerful. He said, you don't have a pat answer. You don't have a kind of a, a memorized response to ter- particular questions. You guys are sharing the same thing. And I said to him, I said, Sam, it's because it's about one person. It's about Jesus Christ. You see, who Jesus is, is everything. I remember when I was in Tanzania a couple of years ago, and Greg's, I think, flying back now, isn't he? Yeah, and he'll be back tomorrow. And Greg got to meet Johan, which is one of the pastors there. I love Johan. We have our, our deals every day where, you know, people had medical uh, opportunities to see a medical doctor and they had hygiene and there was just several different things. You could get glasses and hats and different things that we would provide for the, for the folks of the village. <clears throat> and I can remember uh, one of the things we do is we'd have them go through the evangelism room and we'd share the gospel with them. And Johan was one of the ones that did that on a regular basis. I remember one day Johan got me after, after we were kind of shutting down for the day and heading to dinner and he comes over and he puts his arm around me and he points at the evangelism room and he says, you see that? You see that right there? That's the most important thing we do. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I've never forgotten that. Or Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul, Pastor Paul, who's one of the pastors there. I love Pastor Paul. In humility, the day that he came up to me and he said to me, he said, Greg, Will you pray, help me pray that God will allow me to plant 25 churches? I'm thinking, my goodness, 25 churches. How amazing that you have that vision, that desire. I messaged with him probably seven, eight months ago, and he's planted 19 of them already. Isn't that amazing? And he always said, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Johan and, and, and Pastor Paul were not of the same denomination. There were some differences, but the bottom line is it was about Jesus. And today I want us to talk about, and as we continue our series, about the power of the gospel, and it's all coming together in one person, Jesus Christ. Christ alone. 
We started this series of, uh, a couple of weeks ago when I dealt with scripture, uh, scripture alone, and we talked about it being our final and highest authority. Why? Because it, it explains to us, it teaches us about who Jesus is. It teaches us about who God is, but, but it points mostly to the work of Christ, to the work of salvation. That we stand here today, I stand here today before you only in Christ. I have nothing. I, I don't come with any great accomplishments, any great anything. I have Christ. And so when I come before you today and I begin to teach you through this series, I want you to understand that it's on the scriptures alone. That was what we looked at a couple of weeks ago because they are the ones that, re, that reveal the work of Christ. And if the scripture isn't truth, how will I know truth about who Jesus is? We have a committee and come up with some ideas. That's not true. God has revealed himself and he's revealed himself in his word and he's pointed us to his son, Jesus Christ, the son of God, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Jesus Christ. Christ and Christ alone. We're gonna look at that today, next week or next time we'll look at it. I think Greg is gonna be sharing about Tanzania next Sunday, but next time we're gonna be looking at grace alone. Grace comes by Christ. Jesus gives grace. There is no grace apart from Jesus. It tells us in Titus chapter two, verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, uh, bringing salvation to all people. That Christ came bringing salvation. Him, him alone, he is the one that gives grace. We understand this by faith alone. The object of our faith is Christ, Christ him alone. You're, you place your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. You place your faith in Jesus for a righteous standing before a holy God. You place your faith in Jesus for who you are and the intent of what God has created you for. You place your faith in him, him alone, he provides salvation. And all of this to the glory of God alone. In Hebrews chapter one, verse three, Jesus says about Jesus that he is the radiance of the glory of God. He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. So when we're looking at these five solos, and we, we use the word alone, it means alone or only. When we look at this, this is the gospel. I want you to understand that. When we look at each aspect of this, we're looking at different aspects of the gospel, and this is the gospel that through the scriptures has been communicated, and today, Christ alone. And by the way, he's the linchpin. He's the linchpin of the whole thing. You want to prove my faith wrong. You want to destroy what I believe. You have to destroy who Jesus is. You can tell me all you want about the hypocrisy in church. Guess what? We're human and we're sinners. I stand here not because of righteousness of my own. I stand here because of the righteousness of Christ and Christ alone. He is the linchpin of the gospel. He is the key to the gospel. The scriptures reveal him, and we are now face to face with the person of Jesus Christ. This morning, one of the things I want to do is I want to challenge you with the person of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here and you've just kind of gone through the, the, the games of religion. And the reality is I don't want to challenge you with the games of religion. I could care less about the games of religion. But what I care about is Christ and him alone. And that I would challenge you with that person. Maybe you're here and you've trusted Christ, but you've been going through these games yourself. 
I wanna challenge you about that, that it's in the person of Jesus Christ who makes you who you are in Christ. Why do I always say, do not forget who you are in Christ? We as the people of God give up so much because we forget who we are in Christ Jesus. We stand in him, we stand in his righteousness. It's who he is that gives us that. When we talk about Christ alone, I think the simplest definition I can come up with was that salvation is found in the work of Christ alone. There's no other place that Jesus Christ alone can provide salvation we need from sin and death. There is no other place. What that means is there's no work of any individual where the work of humanity, humanity cannot fix itself. We can go around and come up with better laws. We can come up with better ideas, better systems. We can try to find ourselves. We can do all of those things, but humanity has never been able to fix itself. It has not been able to deliver itself from sin and death. You can do all of those things, but you're still gonna face death. You can't conquer death. So there's no individual humanity can ever do this, can never add or contribute to our salvation. It's the most important thing we need to understand as the people of God, that we rest and we stand in the person of Jesus Christ, Christ alone. Do you hear me today, dear people? Christ alone, Christ alone. So take your Bibles. Addie did a great job reading it for us this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. First thing we want to notice is that the work is finished. If there's ever been a blessed sound and then I don't even know if blessed is a, is a word, is it? All my English friends out there are going to correct me afterwards. There's not a more blessed sound than the work is finished. You know, when you've been working all day and you're out in the sun, you're sweating and you're, you're just going at it and you're going at it and then you finish and you sit down and you're done. Ah, oh, the relief. Well, the work is finished. In Hebrews, it states it over and over and over again as Addie read it for us. I want us to look back, if you look in chapter 9, verse 12, okay? Chapter 9, verse 12. He says there, he, Jesus, entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing, listen to this, an eternal redemption. When you're talking about who Christ is, we can talk about him being a great teacher, great miracle worker, whatever. When you're talking about who Christ is, this is at the very crux of who he is and why we stand in Christ alone. This is the very essence of what we believe in regards to our salvation. That Jesus did not enter through the, through the holy place with blood of goats and, and calves, but with his own blood. And he secured for us an eternal redemption. I believe in eternity, by the way. And he, 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 he secured us. I love that word, secure. He, he retained it for us. Verse 14, just a couple verses down of chapter nine. How much more will the blood of, of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How remarkable is that? Hey, some of you have known me for a while. And if you knew me 20 years ago, you've seen how God has worked in my life, right? I mean, I'm surprised I don't have a couple of amens from those right there, but <laughs> if you knew me 10 years ago, you know what? Because what Christ is doing,
What Christ is doing is he's changing us so that no longer am I have a conscience for dead works, but I have a conscience to serve a living God. And I'm confident in this God who is continually changing me and growing me to be more and more like his son. I tell you all the time, you hang around me long enough, I'll tick you off. I know I will. It's just the weakness of my nature. <laughs> but God is working. How does that happen? Because of what he did. He offered him with the eternal spirit, offered himself without blemish to God to purify us. How did he do that? With his own blood. Verse 26 of chapter 9. But as it is, he has appeared. This is for Jesus. He has appeared. Love this word. Once and for all at the end of ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He's not doing it over and over and over and over again. He did it once and for all at the end of the ages. And he's put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. I stand before you today, not as anybody with authority or greatness. I stand before you today by the blessed goodness of God and the righteousness of Christ and what he has done through his sacrifice. And each of us, it brings a humility. It allows us to, to love on one another. It allows us to see one another differently. Thank God. And then right before our passage today, chapter 10, verse 10, it says, and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. You hear it again, once and for all. This truth is stated over and over again in the book of Hebrews with such intention that we have to stop and understand the reality of what it means in our lives. What is that message that God has for us in his son, Jesus Christ, who once and for all settled, settled the, through the sacrifice of his own blood, sin and death. Look, if you will, at verse 11. In verse 11, it says, every priest stands daily at service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can, never be, which can never take away sins. The picture is looking at the old covenant system where every day they're, they're standing there. In fact, they tell you, I mean, in the temple, there is no chair. There is no ability to sit down because the work is never finished. Every day, there's another sacrifice. There's moment after moment, another sacrifice coming, a blood of the goats and calves to cover the sins until the one who would come and settle it once and for all. And there's this constant, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I thank God I get to be a minister today rather than back then. Can you imagine the, the temperatures we've been having lately and having to be out there and sacrificing? A continual reminder that the insufficiency of the sacrifice, that it was only temporary, it can only cover for a time, the imperfection of the system that, that does not do away with sin and death, the reminder of the constant work the priest stood daily, reminding himself of the fact that the imperfection of what they were doing could never once and for all settle sin and death. They could never put away sin, so they repeatedly offered sacrifices because the work was continued. It never ended. It never ended. Do you feel the do you feel the stress and the ache of the constant? You know, some of you here today, you're doing the same thing. You're trying to, trying to make God happy. 
You're thinking, man, if I could only do this a little better, God would be more happy with me. If I could only do this, I might be a little more righteous. And there's a constant, and it's a burden, and it's wearisome. But look, if you will, at verse 12. It says in verse 12, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. I love this contrast. In fact, I like the word but sometimes because it just kind of like, here's this, but this. Here's a contrast. Here's what they've been doing, but now this is what Christ has done. And Christ once and for all offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. Right there. Do you see it? Consider the power of the imagery right there. Consider it. I mean, in the Jewish mindset who had been going through sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice and understood that imagery, now here's this imagery whereby now you need to feel the weight of it. It's a beautiful theology of the picture of what Jesus did. What did he do? He sat down. Why? Because it's finished. Catch the imagery. done it's finished you've been working all day you know and you're getting all sweaty and you're tired and and you go sit down and you just go oh that feels so good right Jesus rested because the work's done here's the beauty of it dear people of God all of those who believe in Jesus Christ get to rest in him You get to rest in him. What did he say in Matthew chapter 11, I believe it was? All ye who are heavy laden. Remember that? Come to me and I will what? I give you rest. Some of you are really tired. You've been striving. You've been striving with God. You've been striving with the word of God. You've been trying to fit in. Jesus has already finished it. He sat down. See the beauty of the theology that's here, right here in front of us. The beauty of that picture that when he had done a single sacrifice for all time, he sat down at the right hand of God and it is finished. It is finished. He made perfect those who would believe. And he gave rest to them. He's not promising a physical rest, but a spiritual rest to those who continue, who continue to strive with, the, with sin and death. We need to learn that it is finished. We need to see that sin and death has been paid in full. I stand before you today, and I stand here, I'm, I'm telling you, I went through too many years as a Christian just struggling and always wondering if I was enough and if I was always wondering about Is God going to be happy with me or satisfied with me? And when I came to this realization of understanding that Christ is alone and and it's enough and that he's finished and he has done this, that when I rested there, I really truly began to understand peace and that the joy of the Lord is my strength and comfort. I began to begin to put off those insecurities that I had in my life when my adversary, my, my adversary was trying to convince me that I was no good and I was worthless. 
And I stood in the grace of my God, and there I approach his throne, and I don't find retribution and judgment. I find grace and mercy because of the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. To God be the glory. To him be the praise. Amen, amen, amen. We need to stop learning, or we need to learn to stop trying to earn favor with God because Jesus has already done that. We need to stop acting like we can somehow add to the cross and believe in the lies of our adversary. See, right here, right now, those who are saved in Jesus, you need to be released from trying harder. Think about that. I know there's some of you like, oh, wait a second, Greg, you know, we're supposed to live it. Yeah, I know that, but right now, you're standing. There is nothing right now before you today. As I stand here before you, as a fellow person, as a person in Christ Jesus, there is nothing I can do right this moment that can make myself look any better in the sight of God than he's already done in Christ Jesus. And some of you might be thinking, well, yeah, Greg, because you're preaching, you're gonna be looking really good with God, right? <laughs> hey, I, it's a fearful thing to stand up and say, hey, this is what God says. There's, 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 consequ- there's a day I'm gonna stand for everything that I said. I know that, I'm okay with that, because he's called me to this. But I cannot add to anything to who I am in Christ Jesus, because Christ alone is enough, and we need to be released from trying harder. And when we are released from trying harder, you know what happens? We learn to love better. We learn to live in righteousness better. That's why I like the term that we're just a group of people learning to follow Jesus. We're not perfect. We learn how to forgive the hurts. We learn how to forgive the shortcomings. Many of you have forgiven me for many things. We learn how to do that because that's what we are in Christ Jesus. We're the body of Christ. And there is one God, one Father, one Son, Christ Jesus. And it's him that we rest in. It's him that we find. When we learn that and we we quit listening to our adversary put us down and we start understanding who we are in Christ Jesus, we don't have to defend ourselves. We simply love. We walk in righteousness. We begin to look more and more like his son. What a wonderful message the theology of Christ alone, what he did in Christ and who we are in Christ. Look at verse 14. It can't be any more clear than this. Verse 14, for by a single offering, he has perfected all, for all time those who are being sanctified. Go on, I want you to read on down. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts. I will write them on their minds. Verse 17, then he adds, "I, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Verse 18, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering of sin. There is no longer an offering for sin because Christ once and for all has settled it. And when you go back to verse 14, he says, for by a single offering, he has perfected. Jared dealt with it a little bit last week when he talked about justification. 
It's literally the idea to be free from sin and guilt, whereby God has declared us righteous because of what Jesus has did. When we put our faith in him, we are declared righteous. And I stand here today in the righteousness of Jesus. I have nothing else. I have nothing else to offer you but who Christ is and who I am in Christ. It is in Christ alone that we find that we are being perfected, we have been perfected. In fact, it's a past tense there. It's the idea whereby he has declared us righteous. And he says, for all time, those who are being sanctified. And there's a picture here whereby he has declared us righteous and now we're to be living out who we are in Christ Jesus. And if you've been declared righteous, you've been perfected, you're gonna be being sanctified. God's gonna work on you. Thank God he's never left me in my sin. He challenges me. He convicts me, he moves me, and I pray to God my heart would never be so hard I ignore it. I pray that my heart would never be so deceitful that I cannot see it. I pray that I can see when God begins to work in my life that he can continue to change those things because he's at work in me, perfecting me and making me sanctified that I might look more and more like his son. You don't have one and not the other. I cannot understand how people can say I'm good with God and live totally opposite of what God calls. That, that, that just can't happen. It's not biblical. We need to understand that, that God has called us in Christ alone, that we are secure in him. Remember Romans chapter one or chapter eight, verse one? There is therefore, listen to this. These are great words. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because we stand in the righteousness of Christ and he is enough and it is finished. He has done it for all time, never to be made again. It is the good news that we have in Christ alone and it is the sufficiency of Christ alone. Martin Luther, who's a great reformer, he struggled with God. He saw him as a righteous God and he kept looking for continued attempts to try to get right with God somehow. It was a constant fear and insecurity for him coming under the condemnation of God. Luther said, because of the righteousness of God without mercy and grace, he actually hated God. How could he love a God that he could never attain to, he could never add up to? He was terrified of God and of death because he could never find himself at a place of acceptance with the righteous and holy God. And then you hear the gospel for the first time. The inexhaustible grace, the waves of mercy that just come flowing over to hear that in Christ, Christ alone, that Jesus was sufficient for pain for every sin you had ever committed. And he brings you into his family and he calls you his own. How powerful. That's why Luther wrote, he said this, but believe and rejoice in Christ even more boldly for he, he is victorious over sin, death, and the world. As long as we are here in this world, we have sin. This life is not the dwelling place of righteousness. But as Peter says, we look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. 
It is enough that by the riches of God's glory, we have come to know the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. No sin will separate us from the lamb, even though we commit fornication and murder a thousand times a day. Man, I had to weigh on that. I had to weigh on that. Do you think that the purchase price that was paid for the redemption of our sins by so great a lamb is too small. There is no one, there is no one too far from the gospel. There is no one too evil. Our sufficiency, it's in Christ alone. We sang it this morning, I love that song, It Is Well With My Soul. There's a stanza there that goes like this, my sin, oh bless the, <laughs> bless of this glorious thought. My sin. Have you ever stopped and thought about that? I came to a very real depth of that in several different ways. God has done it over and over a couple of times. But about eight, nine years ago, <clears throat> I got contacted by an old, an old buddy I had when I was a kid. It was during a time when God was not, um, not really in my life. Some of the things I did with this person were uh, horrific in my mind. Um, I remember when he contacted me, I was just swarmed with all of the ugliness of my sin, my rebellion, my shortcoming. It was overwhelming. Though I knew who I was in Christ, it was just more than I could take at a moment. And then I look at this stanza and it just speaks to me so hard. My sin not in part, but the whole. But the whole. The whole of everything I ever did. The whole of the rejection, the rebellion that I had towards God. The whole is nailed to the cross. You love it? It is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. I bear it no more. I rest in who Christ is. Why wouldn't I sing, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul, right? Hmm. This mighty message of the gospel of Christ and Christ alone. Not only has Christ finished the work, but secondly, he is the only mediator. There's not another mediator. If you look over in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, I just want to take a minute there and look at this passage. It says in 1 Timothy Chapter two, verse five and six, it says, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as, as a ransom for all. There's a picture whereby <clears throat> humanity and God are separated. There's, there's a gulf, there's a, there's a separation. And what separates them is sin and death. We don't like to talk about those things because it, it makes us feel bad, right? But we need to understand. We need to understand that those things are the things that separate us from God. Those are the things that keep us from experiencing what we've been created for. We weren't created for sin. We were created for righteousness. Go back and look in the garden. There was no sin there. We weren't created to live in this sin. We were created to live in righteousness with God. And there was a great gulf, there was a great separation. 
And it tells us right here in this passage, there's one mediator. There's not multiple mediators. There's not multiple ways to God. There's not other ways in which to convince yourself into heaven. There is one mediator. And that is the man, Christ Jesus, who reconciles us with God. And how did he do that? It tells us right there, he gave a ransom. Why is a ransom needed? Because the reality is, if you do not know Jesus today, you're standing in your own sin and you will not conquer death. You cannot. When Adam and Eve sinned and sin entered into this world, it plunged humanity in a course of condemnation. We don't like that, but it's the reality. It's what separated us from God. And God addressed it through his son, Jesus Christ. We call this atonement when we look at it because it's all happened on the cross. I want us to take a moment. I kind of want to just look at some things that took place on the cross. I have a slide up here. When we talk about Jesus as our mediator, the first thing we need to understand is we deserve death and sin. We deserve death because of our sin. Because of our rejection and our rebellion against the holy God, we are dead without Jesus. If you're here today and you haven't received Christ into your life, then you're gonna be in a position of death. You have no hope. There is no life. But in the midst of our predicament, Jesus, who is our substitute, he sacrificed for us. We deserve death, but Jesus is our sacrifice. And we rest in him and his sacrifice because of what he did. We also deserve God's wrath. There's a consequence for iniquity. There's a consequence for sin. We can read passages like the wages of sin is death. We can look at those, those things. But the reality is we all know there's consequences for, for actions. And our consequence was that we were to be punished for our sins. We were to be facing the judgment of a righteous and holy God. We don't understand, I always say this, reason we get so tied up over, over sin is because we don't understand holiness. And the more we bring down holiness, the less we think sin is that bad. The more we understand the reality of what holiness is and what, what righteousness is, then we understand the ugliness of iniquity. It's just the reality, I, hate, I don't know any other way to say it. Jesus is our propitiation, in other words, he took our place. There was a judgment, there was a wrath, there was a consequence, and he takes our place. We call this penal, <clears throat> penal substitutionary atonement. We're gonna be looking at atonement in the fall. In other words, he takes God's wrath on himself so we don't have to. I always remember it as a kid, my mom, uh, when I got in trouble, my dad would sit, us in the, sit me in the living room and he'd be on one side of the room and I'd be on the other. And if my dad had his way, I would die that day. You know, that was just kind of how my dad was. <laughs> And my mom would always lean over and say something to my dad and he would go a little easier and I would be going, thank God for my mom, kind of a deal. But that's not what Jesus does. He doesn't just lean over and talk to God and ask him to go easier. What he did is he stepped in front and said, I'll take it for them. It was our propitiation. We deserved wrath, but Jesus took it on himself so that we wouldn't have to. We were separated from God and Jesus reconciled us. We were separated, but because of what God did in Christ Jesus, he reconciled them to himself. When he, when he was finished and the temple and the, the curtain in the temple was ripped from top to bottom, there was now a new way into the Holy of Holies. It was through Jesus. There was a new way into the presence of God. It was through Christ and Christ alone. There was no other way. 
Jesus reconciled through one sacrifice all of those who would believe. We were also in bondage to sin. Really, I should put sin and death. And Jesus redeemed us. We were in bondage to sin and death, and sin and death owned us. It's this picture whereby when we entered into sin, we literally were plunged into the clutches of sin and death, and we had no way to dig ourselves out. I have no way to conquer death. I have no way to conquer the, the, the iniquity of my heart, but through Christ. And I know we live in a world that is constantly trying to do that, but they're coming up short over and over and over again because without Christ, there is no redemption. It's through the redemption of Christ that now we cry, Abba, Father, and he makes us part of his own. If we have trusted in Christ, we are in his family. Jesus redeemed us. You see, Christ alone, nothing else, no effort, no religious games, just Christ alone. I want you to notice something here. This is really, really, really important. Hear me. No one comes to God through the church. No one comes to God through a priest. No one comes to God through a pastor. No one comes through God to God through an elder. It's in Christ alone. The only way someone comes to God is through Jesus alone. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh to the Father but by me. There's no other way. There's no other way. I don't know. You might be here this morning, and right now you're maybe listening online. And you, maybe you started thinking this was just a game of religion. You know, I need to be at church, need to give, need to do, try to be a good person. You can never be good enough. You can never do enough. You can never accomplish it. I'm telling you, it's hopeless. You will always be striving. You'll always be coming up short. It isn't until you're resting in the person of Jesus Christ that you understand the peace and the grace and the goodness of God. There will not be one sin in heaven. There will not be one unrighteousness in heaven. And that's why we need Christ and we need him alone. Do you, do you really see what's being offered to you today? Look at the offer. The offer of, the offer of salvation that every sin that is ever committed has been paid on the cross, that all the striving and the, and the shortcoming has been accomplished through Christ alone, that you can absolutely, perfectly be forgiven by simply placing your faith in Christ. We're gonna look at it in a couple weeks, faith alone. In Christ alone, for the forgiveness of sins, to receive the grace of God through faith, in Christ alone, then you begin to live a life for the glory of God. It's the greatest message you will ever hear, a message that is meant for everybody you will meet. It is a message I extend to you today. Even now, I would encourage you, if you don't know Christ, to give your life to Jesus today, right now. Just by faith, by faith, just pray. 
Jesus, I believe in your work. I believe in what you did and the forgiveness of sins. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my iniquities, for my rebellion, for my rejection. God, by faith, I give you my life. Right now, you might be a believer here this morning who's been kind of playing the religious game. And it's time to stop. To walk in who you are in Christ Jesus and not forget who you are. There's a, we sing the song today. I asked him to sing it again this week. I just want to quote it for you. It says, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when strivings cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. I hope you didn't sing past these words today. Listen to the next one. In Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in the glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse Sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. There is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I stand. I'm gonna close in prayer and the praise team's gonna come and they're gonna sing. If you're here this morning and you've never received Christ, I'll be up here. If you want someone to pray with, I'll be up here. Maybe some of the, some of the ministry leaders can come up and pray with folks if anybody wants prayer. But I'd encourage you right now in the moment that's before us to simply close your eyes and where are you at? Where are you at with Jesus? Let's pray. Father God, um, I pray your spirit would move among us this morning. I pray, Lord, that, that if there's some here that have never taken that step to trust in Christ, that today it would be that they would hear the message of Christ alone, that the work is finished, it's done, He's rested and we can rest in him by faith. That we would rest in his grace and rest in his work and that Lord, your spirit would just move in our hearts. There might be some here this morning who are striving me. Father, they, they quit striving today. Some here are feeling like they can never stand before you or be 
be righteous before you. May they today that would be broken away to understand that they stand in the righteousness of Christ, in Christ alone, and there's nothing else. May your spirit speak to us, Father. If there's Father, I just pray that if someone needs prayer, that they lean to their neighbor and ask them to pray for them. If someone needs Christ, that Lord, they would come and or ask their neighbor how to receive Christ, that Father, today, they would not walk out of this building until that's settled. It's in Christ alone we stand and we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.